Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. Can we talk about your uh, attire for today? We we can. Let's describe <laughs> well, it. For most those people of us, are not going to see right. me. You're right. I know, so. but I'm sad that they're missing out on your glorious splendor. Can you describe <laughs> the outfit that you're wearing? Uh, I'm wearing a, a fuzzy uh, house coat bathrobe thing. Yes, you are. Can can we talk about this particular fashion well, choice? Well, here's okay. So a number of I made a, a powerful decision. Uh huh. That it's my day off today. I have a day off, and I didn't want to spend an hour doing my hair and getting ready. Yep. And I want to be warm down here and comfortable, and still feel like it's kind of my day off. So. You're rocking a house robe. So I'm rocking a house robe and a fluffy ponytail that I've done nothing to fix. And I put on uh, a little bit of makeup, but didn't even really do as much with that because last week I just cried it all off anyway. So, and, you know, most people are listening, they're not seeing, so I can look however I want. Well, good for you making your powerful decisions and your powerful choices. (laughs) Thanks. It was a little odd when you came down and I was like, wow, like you've just... You've gone for that littlest hobo look. I well, love it. <laughs> well, you're funny because we're like half an hour away from recording and I still haven't gotten out of my pajamas and I'm just sitting on the couch drinking coffee and you're like, What is uh... the plan? Can you can you let me into this? And I was like, the plan is... I love you know, it, darling. You, yeah. you fit this into our lifestyle. All right. Episode 238. Tell me about your week. What Weekly catch up. What have we got to catch up on? Well, we're in the last couple of weeks of the kids being in school, so I feel like every day is uh, make sure this gets returned or we're going to fine you $100, and uh, every day is more invitations to end of the year. Um, I think they're just trying to go big because, you know, COVID's been so brutal, so it's like, not only are we doing the end of the year class party, but we're doing one at Pinkerton Park. Not only are we doing, you know, so there's choir parties and class parties and trips to the zoo and you know all kinds of stuff so um, i'm so glad you handle that i i don't have headspace for it, well in fairness sonia goes through all of it handles it so asks sonia me handles all what we want to go to and then puts it in the calendar i love that so, she asks you because if she asked me i'd be like don't care don't care don't well, care, she knows don't that care. Yeah. you would just say no 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 yeah well it worked right so um yeah we have all of that going on and then also heading into summer we're like we just don't we want the summer to feel different. And well, last summer was horrible. Brutal. Yeah. So this summer, we're now like, okay, we know a little bit more about what you can and can't do. And so we booked two thirds of our children on a summer camp. Yep. Just the two we like. The third one, we're just like, you know, this is how. We just don't like her. No, just kidding. <laughs> She's too old. <laughs> She's not able to go. My favorite thing about having, not my favorite thing about having kids. One of my favorite thing about our kids yeah. is that I've always told each of my kids, they're my favorite. Right. I, like I've always told them. Right. That. So, but their response has always been, I know. So even though the running joke is, well, you're my favorite and you're my favorite and you're my favorite. Which, yeah. You or know, you're my favorite brown eyed girl and you're my you're favorite, favorite first born and, and you're, you're my favorite. favorite. Yeah. I just tell yeah. them that, like, you're my favorite. And I love that all three of them have come to their own conclusion, like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm confident. Special. I'm, yeah. I'm the one. <laughs> so we've got that. You're, I was impressed. You pitched them swim team last night i'm so excited about this um i'm still I'm, i haven't signed them up yet i'm still waiting to hear back on two different things because because we signed them up for a camp i'm sorry i still can't go over here in the house coat okay who is it fuzzy bear from the muppets it is it looks like you've skinned him and are wearing him <laughs> it does. it's it, okay it's what it looks like i like it it's, it's what it looks like 
Okay. But I'm warm. It's the Silence of the I'm Lambs Muppet edition. <laughs> oh my gosh. You are warm. You are comfortable. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, we signed the kids up for camp, and I'm waiting to hear back what if they have to miss one meet one week because of swim team or whatever. Um, but yes, we have a swim team in our neighborhood. How much of this, and this isn't wrong, by the way, but how much of this is you living vicariously through your children to reclaim the glory years of your summer spent at swim meets? Um, well, I swam for a competition team and we competed in the fall, so it's not. Not just kidding. <laughs> it's not. I yeah, mean, you we, got me on a technicality <laughs> there. What was I thinking? There were not summer swim meets. I think some of it is, you know, my dad swam, I swam, you know, just They com- all love com- swimming. They're all like fish. Yeah. Yeah, and they love swimming, and they don't participate in any other sports. That's my contribution. That probably is. But no, um, not probably, definitely is. <laughs> so I was like, I would love them to be doing something that contributes towards fitness, and they love swimming. Um, and I'd like to see them get better at yeah. it. Yeah, I was shocked when you pitched it last night. I thought you were going to have a hard sell at the so dinner did I. table. And I they thought were all maybe like, Abby yeah. would go for it. but Yeah, but they were all like yeah. super excited about it. Yeah. So I was like. Okay, easy, easy win. Easy win. So, but that also means I get to volunteer and help with the swim team this I'm summer. I'm glad I've got that recorded. Yeah, yeah, you get to volunteer and help. Well, I didn't think you it. would. You know, what if they needed somebody to get in there and actually swim? <laughs> I can swim. I can't float. And so I think no. like that's a competitive disadvantage. Like you can float. So like most of your swimming, like nature does a lot of it for you. Yeah. I'm just not naturally buoyant. So I sink. So I have to work twice as hard. Is that how that works? No, it's not. But I mean, even my kids verbally <laughs> abused my stroke. It's true. Last night. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's interesting. Can I make a unqualified, really probably unkind observation? Please. Um, who Who wouldn't want to hear what comes next? <laughs> In, in my experience, not as many people from the UK are swimmers or have like done extensive swimming as people from North America. Is that possible? I don't know. Maybe you should like do some research on Instagram. Another poll. Another poll. A survey. Although, well, how are you going to ask it? Do you suck at swimming? <laughs> are you from the UK? Well, and then. How do we know if you even know if you suck at swimming? You may think you're great at swimming because everyone around you sucks at swimming. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, good point. I, 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 I think it's just I've seen uh, several people that I love and are acquainted with. You're going to get lots of emails UK from our friends in the UK. Who look like they're gracefully drowning, not swimming. <laughs> so I just wanted to know, is it not like a thing? Like, How would I possibly know? Oh, okay. Would, you lived there, did you? Right, but I are, didn't survey are there, everybody. Are there like swim teams as part of like How high schools and stuff like that? I would, actually, I tried out for our high school swim team. Okay, <laughs> you didn't make it. <laughs> My friend, when uh-huh. I was in high school, Robbie, he was part of the swim team, and he would, you know, he'd get up at four a.m. every morning and go, mm-hmm. and you know, he was he was a great swimmer. So of course they wanted him on the swim team. But, you know, he he and I were good friends. So he was like, do you want to join the swim team? And I was like, well, I want to do something with my friend Robbie. So he was like, well, just try it for lunch, you know, one lunchtime. So I went and swam. And the coach was like, yeah, you know, this, I don't think this is for you. I was like, okay, great, you know. But you know what? You have the build of a swimmer. You have like the wide shoulders and the narrow hips. I don't like hips. where this is going. Yeah, my yeah. narrow hips. Let's talk more about my <laughs> I, I, I'm confident we could work on this and make you into a swimmer. Do you want? Do you want to give it a shot, or I don't think you stick with your video game. I think, yeah, I think God's given me the gift of 
If he wanted indoors. me to swim, he would have given me fins, and he didn't, so he wants me to be good at video games. But he you gave do me have a portable thumbs, so yeah. I'm really, really good at video okay. games. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. Speaking of video games, yes. I have a new video game. You do? Yeah, I took a, I took a chance. It wasn't a chance. It was $20. It was on sale. The game is called Hob, H-O-B. And I, I, you know, I've finished Zelda, and I'm, they can't bring out the sequel to Zelda fast enough for me. And so I was, I was just Googling, like, what's a good game to play? And so they recommended this game. In in one sense, it's like Zelda in the uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, in that you get no, you just wake up and you're doing something, and you don't know who you are, or why you're there, or what the point of the game is, and you just the whole focus of the game is exploration and discovery, which I love. There's lots of puzzles, which I also love, but it doesn't have that same open world aspect, like in and the graphics are nowhere near as good. Well, I th- I mean, they're a completely dif- different, distinctive style. I think they're really good, and they're really pretty. And Anyway, I've really enjoyed it. I'm working on 100%ing it. It took me about a week to finish it, and it's taken me a lot longer to thoroughly 100% complete it. But I think the reason I like Breath of the Wild was whenever you met up against a limitation, it wasn't um, it wasn't because they were trying to trick you. It's because you either didn't have an upgrade yet or you didn't have enough stamina. Whereas this game, there's like built-in things you can't do but it's not clear why you can't do it. Is it just I should try harder? Right. Or do I need to come back later when I have a power-up that I don't yet know? So I've spent lots of time being frustrated, thinking, surely there must be a way, and then realizing, no, there wasn't. Do you get to make food or ride horses? Because those are my two favorite things from Zelda. No horses. You do get to ride kind of like a a cephalopod. But make food? Mm. You make food... In your life, like, why would that be appealing virtually? I don't know. I just, I love, that's you, like one no, of my favorite you, parts of the game is making all the different foods and, and then riding horses. Okay. <laughs> Which, I like those things in real life, so maybe that's why, you yeah. know. No, we don't. Okay, I don't want to play your game. Okay. I, I actually downloaded a new game on my phone called Two Dots. I Go on. And uh, it's it's about connecting dots. It's pretty exciting stuff right there. Uh, but I'm now at like level 140 and I can't get past it. Based on our conversation from last <laughs> week's episode... Is this like a de-stressor or is this a, a hiding? Well, it was a de-stressor, but now it is a stressor because I can't beat the levels that I'm on. And what they're trying to do is upsell you into like buy coins to get these kind of, you know, whatever bombs or upgrades to help you get past the and I refuse. I don't know why you don't go straight to the Apple Arcade section of the, the game's uh, the app store. Because I'm playing on my phone. Uh-huh. And the Apple Arcade is a curated area for your phone to download games that have none of those things. So, oh, I thought it was on the Apple TV. No, well, it works on Apple TV and on your iPad and on your Mac and on your phone. But if you go there, all the games are, are carefully curated. There's no upsells. There's no scammy ads. And there's some great stuff in there. I would encourage you to go explore that. Well, maybe I will. Because I, I have my puzzle game, my one where you organize the colors into tubes. And then this new one that I can't get past, so now I'm just not playing it anymore. We'll put links to both of those <laughs> highly descriptive games in the show notes. It's the color and tubes one and the two dots one. And so if you want to join AJ well, the in puzzle your one. The puzzle one is the one I keep handing you if I can't yeah, get past it. the color and tubes one, isn't it? No, color All and tubes. All the three? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Color and tubes is like the most easiest, most basic. You need basic. to get on our Twitch channel, you pro gamer, you, <laughs> now that you're playing three <laughs> mobile games. Yeah, they have to have bright colors and, yeah. Um, our topic for this week yes. is an interesting one. Do okay. you want to set it up or do you want me to set it up? You can set it up. We're going to talk about COVID. And I know at this point everyone's going to groan because uh, everyone's talked about COVID. We're probably all fed up with COVID. 
But my heart, our heart in talking about COVID is not that we're going to give you our opinion on COVID or what everybody should be doing. Rather, I made the, I'm going to say, it's not controversial. I guess it was controversial for us. I made a decision to go get vaccinated. As I record this, I am fully vaccinated. I've had two of my shots separated by 21 days. I'm past the two weeks of my second shot. So I am officially fully vaccinated, which in and of itself is not that alarming. We're in a global pandemic. You know, billions of people have been, well, I think one and a half billion people have been vaccinated thus far. So it's not that radical. But it is radical when you consider that historically our viewpoint, our lifestyle, our response to vaccines has not been one where it would be apparent that the most logical step would be for me to get right, vaccinated. Right, because we haven't been vaccinated. None of our kids have been vaccinated. Well, Abby was partially vaccinated. Uh, we haven't been vaccinated in years. So typically we've been resistant to vaccination. And so, like, you were surprised when I was like, hey, babe, I'd like to get vaccinated. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about that side of things. So this is not, uh, like... And and to this day, AJ is not vaccinated, does not want to get vaccinated. I am and did want to. I thought it would be fun for us to talk about how did I arrive here? What did that feel like? And also, like, how do we as a married couple make decisions when we disagree about things? Right. So there's there's a lot in here. But this isn't going to be a, hey, you know what you want to do? You know what you should do? This is what you should do. Everybody who doesn't do. You know, that's not one of those things at all. Okay. Good. 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 All right, strap yourself in. This could be a long, meandering story. Okay. Yay. Yay for long and meandering stories. The other reason I thought I wanted to talk about this is one of the important things that leaders do for their community, and I think it's a really important gift that leaders give their community, is they make their thinking visible. Mm-hmm. And so part of the distress I've watched people go through in the last year, people who've come to me, Uh, privately or people who've emailed us on the podcast where they're encountering leaders that they know and they trust and the leaders are doing or saying something that seems contrary to who they know them to be or who they thought they were and it throws people into distress like but I thought you were this and now you're behaving in this way or you're doing this and I think part of the gift of leadership part of the responsibility of being in leadership is making your thinking visible especially when you're attempting to bring clarity out of confusion. So there's yeah. everyone has an opinion. If you looked at the title of this podcast and thought, I'm going to skip this, I don't blame you. Like, we are fatigued from listening to people's opinions on certain topics. And this is a volatile one. Like So vac- volatile, so inflammatory. Forget COVID. Vaccinations in general, in general. talking about it. Is then a throw in COVID. Subject. Yeah. People are, you know, have got opinions about whether you need to, whether it's even real, blah, blah, blah. We're not even going to attempt to address those things because here's why. If you disagree with us, there's probably no way that we can ever convince you. And also, it's not my job to convince you of anything, right. except the goodness of God. It is, it, it's just my heart to feel less lonely and perhaps communicate the why behind the what. So if you're, um, you know, wherever you are on the spectrum, you're probably going to find some value in AJ's view and in my view. But I wanted to, as a leader, draw out the connecting dots that made, you know, that made me, not made me, what were the dots behind arriving at the conclusion that you're going to vaccinate yourself when historically you've chosen not to? Yes. So, so that's what you're going to start with. That's where I'm going to where, start. Where are, your do- where are your dots? Well, there's three big dots. Okay. This is the story in three parts. Because as I reflected upon how I got here, I realized there was three significant shifts 
in my thinking that helped me, uh, you know, arrive here. And then as a classic contemplator, I went away and did all this thinking on my own. And then one day came to you and was like, hey, I'm thinking of getting vaccinated. <laughs> After like, you know, months of thinking well, and thought. Well, we both do that, though. Typically, that's, I mean, we both do the, we think internally. Mm-hmm. We're neither one of us necessarily external I'm not an external... You are an external processor, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I think sometimes things that are like a little bit closer, we like, well, certainly I do maybe more than you, but we'll process for a number of months internally, really make sure I know what I think, and then yeah. present. Which can take both of us by surprise. Yes. When you're like, I think we need to move house. And I'm like, what? what? Where did this come from? And, you know, right enough, it's been something the Lord's been speaking to you about for three months. We're not moving house. I mean, that's a previous story. Right. I mean, th- but that is that is typical is, you know, there's thought and then there's prayer and there's waiting to hear back well, from the Lord. Even and all last that week's stuff. episode, yeah. a lot of what I was hearing was I was hearing it for the first time. Yeah. I was aware of a lot of you were saying, but in terms of your internal thought process, I was like, this is great. This is great. This is new. I haven't heard this. And so it's fun getting to debrief afterwards being like, okay, so, and a lot of that was new language for you, as in, you know, something you'd been ruminating on. And we'd had a crazy couple of weeks where we hadn't even connected. Yes. So that is not out of the odds for us. Yeah. All right. First of all, this isn't even step one, two, or three. You know, I've talked about three shifts. Mm-hmm. This is preamble. Okay. So to give you an understanding of why it was perhaps a radical decision. Not a radical decision, because like I said, millions of people have been vaccinated. But for us, was uh, a number of years ago, AJ and I applied to become uh, permanent residents of the United States. Mm -hmm. A dream I've held in my heart for years, and you too. We've been in the United States for maybe five, six years at this point. Yeah. We're now, we've gone to the length of, um, you know, hiring an immigration attorney. We have uh, filled out all the forms. We've been approved. There's one sticking point. We've gone for interviews. One sticking point is in order to be granted permanent residency, you need to make sure your vaccination. Well, they call it green date. cards here. Your green card, yeah. Yeah. They also call it permanent residence. Oh, I thought that was Canadian thing. That's a permanent resident card. Okay. But yeah, okay. same same thing. All right. Um, and so, yeah, we ticked all the boxes. The only outstanding issue was bringing your vaccinations up to date. Right. We hadn't vaccinated our kids. You and I were vaccinated as kids for some of the vaccines, but... Nowhere near the amount that would be now. Was and, required. And we had no documentation. Even though we tried. Like right. My, my mom, I think, sent me the original vaccination card, but all the ink had faded, so it just looked like an empty book. Right. And there's nothing for our ages so on we the would internet. Need to, everything. All of us. We would need to be... Re- 200 and something vaccines or something. I don't think it was that many. It was insane. It was a lot. And so we didn't want to do that for a variety of reasons. And so to show how serious we were about not doing that, it put in jeopardy the thing that was really important to both of us, which was being here. So we actually went to the excellence of hiring uh, an attorney who specialized in vaccine exemptions. Yeah. And we hired this person to help us in our case against, I don't say against, but against the United States, who was saying, hey, you need to do this or you will be deported. And we were like, we'd like to file this exemption. And here's all the supplementary evidence. And they granted us it. Yes. So strong so, convictions. Strong convictions. Yeah. Did you want to say anything about this? Story? No, I mean, I was just going to say for for me with Abby, you know, Abby was vaccinated until we moved here mm-hmm. uh, up until the age of a year and a half. But even from the very first time we took her, I did not want to vaccinate her. I didn't know why I didn't want to. I just I didn't have a medical like 
I, you know, hadn't done research. I just didn't feel good about doing vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved here, uh, we just started getting some different information and making some different choices. And so our, our second two didn't get vaccinated and we stopped uh, with Abby. So enough that this is how we live our life. Yeah. So that kind of gives you the backdrop of why this was a big deal for me to say, hey, I would like to be vaccinated. So that's the preamble over. Like, boop, okay, the context of that. So historically, not a vaccinated family. Historically, strong views about that. So then the question is, well, then how on earth did you end up deciding to get vaccinated? And the reason for that is these three big shifts in my thinking. Okay. The first big shift in my thinking came out of that whole feel your feelings and I'll tell you what you need. So okay. I don't know if you know, but last year there was an opportunity to have lots of feelings about lots of things. I definitely had lots of feelings about I lots had of lots things. lots of feelings. Yep. We did a whole podcast on feelings. If you haven't listened to our series on feelings, we'll put a link in the show note. It would be really helpful. But the premise of the feelings work that we've been doing is you feel your feelings rather than trying to hide from them or run from them. And you, in, in feeling your feelings, in giving it to God and talking to others about it, you discover what you need. Yes. So there was three big predominant feelings for me last year. Um, one of the big, big, big feelings I sat with last year was sadness. Deep yes. sadness. I mean, there's so many opportunities to be sad uh, in last year. But I had tremendous sadness. In particular, uh, I had sadness about lots of things. But in particular, I had lots of sadness about how my community that I'm a part of responded to covid and, and my sadness was in a variety of reasons, but watching people I love, people in my community, people I'm friends with making choices that to me made zero, zero sense. Like I couldn't see how you could make those decisions. Like for me, and that sadness of I don't understand what's happening. And because it's such an inflammatory topic, to even ask the question or to seek to understand, hey, why don't you or why do you do this or why don't you do that doesn't produce great fruit. Like Right. It just felt volatile. Everything so felt volatile. volatile. So I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling fearful. Like, what does it mean that they're making these choices? What does it mean about me that I'm not making those choices? I have fear about so much stuff. I have fear about uh, reports I'm reading. I have fear about articles that people are emailing. I have fear about what our then president is saying on a regular basis. I have fear about what the... Um, data is saying and what the new data is saying i have fear about the choices that my friends are making well and i have fear if i'm making the wrong choices ever-changing data like all, it's all the time yeah so i'm sad um but if you sit with your sadness it leads you to acceptance yeah if you sit with your fear it leads you to faith and to wisdom but probably like the fear and the and the the sadness was there but loneliness was i was so lonely last year because in the sadness and the fear of not knowing what's going on because a lot of it is like hey me our community our friends our family like we have a core shared understanding right right guys we all have a shared understanding oh wait no we don't because you're doing things and I, or i'm doing things that are so different what does it mean and the loneliness in that is what does it mean for our community, for our friendship group, for our life that people we love are making choices that I, I can't make? Like, whoa, what does all this mean? And the loneliness in that. And, uh, you know, th- that, that whole process of working through feeling my feelings, avoiding all the traps that come with it. The traps that come with it are feeling gaslit. And what I mean by gaslit, not that anybody was gaslighting me, but in your loneliness where 
you feel sad and afraid that you're no longer part of, you're no longer part. Listen to that language. I'm no longer part. Who Who's decided that? Right. right? You, I started writing stories about what does this mean? And then you're having to write stories in the lack of relationship or connection or understanding, uh, you know, or, or watching decisions. And we're all separated as all well. All separate, so that's not helping. all lonely. Yeah. In the midst of that, trying to make the best decisions that you can. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with this tension and this tension was acceptance that like, okay, they're not me and I'm not them. And it's actually okay for everybody to make their own decisions because we're all doing the best we can with what we have while trying not to fall into the traps of weaponizing our choices. It's okay. Like that's okay. People get to make their own choices. But the loneliness of me as Alan, as a friend, Alan, as a father, Alan, as a leader, Alan, as a pastor. And what I realized is the people I love, the people I'm called to shepherd are over there and I'm over here. Yes. And I'm feeling lonely about that because I actually want to be with my tribe. I want to be with my my family. I want to be with my community. I want to be to help. And it's not fair for me to demand that they come over here and live the way I think is a better way of living. And I, I start thinking about it with a missionary mindset. You know, when you're a missionary, which I've never been, except for a couple of short-term mission trips, but I would imagine, I've got friends who are missionaries, I've spoken to them. When you're a missionary, you're in a foreign land with another culture that you're trying to reach. And so Paul said, I became like a Jew. I became like a Gentile. I became like whoever I need to become to reach for the gospel. As a missionary, you're not effective if you just sit and go, man, all these people are making decisions I would never make. Right. And they can come over here and come to me when they're ready. You go to them and reach them. <laughs> yeah. And so that's that came out of all that feelings were like, I want to go and be with my community. And at the same time, I'm like, I'm a father. I'm a husband. How do I protect my family in me going to do that? How do I also remain responsible and wise and care well for my family? What what do I do with that? So that was really the first shift of listening to my feelings and thinking, hey, it doesn't at the end of the day matter who's right and who's wrong. There's disconnect. And I don't want disconnect. I actually want to go be with the people I love and care for them. How do I do that and not put my family at risk? Yes. Thoughts, okay. comments, as we have an interlude after the first uh, portion of my thinking. Well, I think it, I think it needs to be said, like when in the turmoil of everything that was last year and that is COVID, is you. I mean, you do have sort of the two camps. You know, you have the. Well, I suppose you have a bunch of different camps, but you have the the cautious uh, camp, which you're probably more of the cautious camp. Yep. Um. You know, COVID is real. I mean, you know. In, in that camp, hopefully, I wish it was real in both camps, but, you know, it doesn't seem to be real in both camps. Uh, but COVID is real, and we don't know enough about it, so let's be super cautious. And then you seem to have the COVID is not real, and we don't need to be super cautious. And I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. And with, there's a spectrum. There's a blend. I mean, those are yeah, two extremes. Yes. Right, so we're not trying to polarize people and go, which one are you in? Yeah, we realize that's a spectrum, right? A huge spectrum, and that's more what I meant than you know. But so you you have the two outside, and I would say I'm I'm somewhere in the middle with I do believe COVID is real. I've had it. I didn't enjoy having COVID, and uh, I don't think we have enough information to be as strongly on either side as some people are. Right. Does that make sense? So. Yeah. 
for me, there's a sadness in actually watching the debate Mm -hmm. because what I more see than anything else is unkindness Mm -hmm. and people staunchly saying, this is the truth. When I think in actual fact, a year from now, we're going to know a whole bunch of different things that are actually truth and we're going to realize neither side was right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're coming into this year realizing we're going to live a summer way different than we did last year. Right. I have sadness about the stuff my kids missed out on last year because of the choices that we made. But the, it was the best available data that we had at the time. So you're making lemonade with what you've, you know, with yeah. what you've got. Yeah. What I noticed, though, in, in, and that's a great point that you made, is round about the fall of last year, coming into Christmas, coming into January, it became apparent that, and, and it's important to understand that no matter where you are in the world listening to this, your response to COVID is largely dependent on what's happening outside your front door. Yeah, like and your community. We're having a very luxurious theoretical debate about COVID here. Sure. Because... We don't live in India. We don't live in India, where like 400,000 people a day are getting in their burning bodies in the street because so many people are dying. Right. Right? Like, last I checked, 25 people in Williamson County got COVID yesterday. Right? Right. So Which is comp- virtually vastly different thing. Yeah. So if you're listening yeah. to this in Canada right now, you're probably under strict lockdown and can't go out. If you're listening to this in Scotland, that's beginning to ease... So, but if you were to come to Franklin, Tennessee, and if you were to drive around, probably since fall of last year through to, I started thinking about this January, February, it would be hard to believe that there was a pandemic at work because generally speaking, most people, a huge, you know, but most people, you could drive around and it would look like life was pre-pandemic. People are shopping, people are eating indoors at restaurants. Now, where you would see a difference is people would be masks, no matter what you feel about masks, when you went grocery shopping. because They're mandated by the stores. Yes, there's no um, mask mandate in the state that we live in and in the city that we live in, and, or in the, uh, what's it called, uh, county that we live in. Yeah. But individual stores, because they're private businesses, can demand what they want. So, by and large, except for when you're in a grocery store, it's hard to believe that there is a pandemic operating. Yes. Uh, so there's that because I we have lived fairly consistently for a year with our approach to COVID. So by and large, we haven't been out eating in restaurants. If we do go out, where it's outdoors. If we're ever indoors, we're wearing face masks. Even when we're here, as Chris will testify. In fact, Chris is wearing a face mask right now as he's filming, and uh, I just asked him today, hey. Because today, CDC guidelines came out saying you don't need to be wearing a face mask if you're vaccinated. Also, it's a bit weird me wearing a face mask while I'm doing a podcast. But I'm trying to say, for about a year and a bit, we, the Jones family, have been fairly consistent about the way that we have lived. Whereas our community perhaps was in the early days, and then that that dropped off. Sure. Uh, where but was I, also, I going with all I that? I also think we, everybody has COVID fatigue. Like at some point so in the fall, fatigue. we all just kind of went. Screw it. We don't care. Basically, yes. Yeah, no, that is like, that is part one. I felt really sad. I felt huge amounts of fear. I felt really lonely. In sitting with all of that, I like largely discovered what I need, which is I need to be with my tribe. Like that's a desire. That desire never faded. Oh my God, my my tribe are making decisions that I can. How do I reckon? How do I be true to the convictions I feel like the Holy Spirit's given me and care for my family and exercise responsibility? And, and be go with fulfill my the mandate of yeah. my calling of being yeah. a leader. Um, and th- it's worth noting of something I'm so grateful for 
with grace in our leadership, which I know is ridiculous because we're part of it. So it sounds like we're applauding ourselves. I'm not, you know, our, our senior leadership team is made up of way more than just me and you. Yes. There's four other people and our decisions are made, you know, beautifully amongst people with varying, de- uh, varying degrees of agreement. You know, like our, like if you were to poll our, our senior team about what we think, there would be differing opinions. And yet we try and bring like way all that. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? So one of the things I've been so grateful for is that that our church, our church leadership, were so gracious as we're trying to figure out what to do, having to shut down, being required to shut down, yes. then being given freedom to open up with limitations, then being given more freedom to open up. Like, how do we do this wisely? There's been various iterations of Grace Center in the last year. Yes. Whether it's been all online or, I mean, I remember we, we were allowed to open up, but you could only have 10 people in the building. And so we're counting the number of people we can have on stage as a worship leader, plus the person who's running the words to and go filming in and, 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 and whatever. you know to yeah. try and serve our community. Our whole heart this year is how can we best serve our community? My point, though, is one of the things I've been so grateful for is Grace Center's leadership that in our current incarnation, we have two services. Our first service is masks required and social distancing. And our second service is no mask required, no social distancing required. Again, to try and serve both ends of the spectrum. Yes. In our community. Yes. And what I've loved is that out of the kindness of Jeff and Becky's heart and out of our leadership team are just saying, hey, even in our staff, we understand there's different approaches to, about how we want to live in a COVID era. And so we're not going to mandate our staff come to any service they're uncomfortable with. And so really for a year, we've been able to exercise our and practice our faith in the same way we've been living our life. And I've been so grateful for that. And that's, I, I, I want to mention that. That's why I write things down. Anyway, back in February, I, I begin chewing on all these things. And I am with my feelings and thinking, how can I go do that and serve my family? And, and I, like, how can I go serve these people? And how can I protect my family? And like, where does that line get crossed where I stop doing my job to prioritize my family? And at Grace Center, we have like God family ministry. So actually my family comes first. My family comes first. And yet like, you know, it's not just a cold, hard left brain. I want to be with my people. I want to serve them. I want to help them because my people, by the way, in the same way I'm having all my distress, they're having distress. Right. I'm watching my staff and my colleagues and my loved ones and the people in our church, the people in our community. I want to serve them. Like, how best can I do that? I, around that time, I began reflecting on a decision that we made back in October, which is as a staff, this is public, by the way, so I'm not disclosing anything that, that, that's private, but as a staff, we began to watch the toll that the crisis Jeff Dollar was facing. So our beloved pastors, Jeff and Becky Dollar, went through a horrible season with their family of of severe sickness, which sadly turned to death, and crisis in their family. And we're watching Jeff and Becky still show up at work, shoulder all the responsibility of leading a church and being the primary caregivers for their family. And as a senior team, we went to Jeff and Becky and just said, guys, we love you. We're watching the toll this is taking. Mm-hmm. Can we as a team take that responsibility of the church off of you so that you can just focus on your family? And in that discussion, naturally, we talked about, well, what would that look like? And the discussion came up with, well, like, well actually, Alan and AJ, largely the teaching responsibility would land on you. 
and you don't want to do second service, which we understand, but how would that work? And we prayed about it and just said, Jeff, we would come and teach second. It's not like we're going to say, well, first service will teach you, but second service, we don't agree with the way you're living in COVID. So we're not, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And that simple example of us choosing something other than our preference or our comfort level spoke to me. Just like it was a no-brainer for us. Of course we're going to do that for Jeff, for Jeff's family, and for our community. Uh, we're, I'm because I you know, ended up doing most of the teaching because you got sick. Yeah. Was I'm going <laughs> to go to the second service and I'm going to speak and I'm going to go minister and it will be my joy to do it even though it wouldn't be my preference to do it. But I In can, that environment. In that environment. I can prioritize other people over my preferences. And yes. I, I did that. And, you know, like in the history of sacrifices, that's not a huge one, but it did illustrate to me that actually our priorities can shift according to the seasons. Yes. So that's largely shift one. All of that. Feelings. Want to be with my community. How do I care for my family? Shift number two. You know how we joke about there's nothing like a healthy dose of experience to change your theology? Yes. Like we're usually talking about Saul had a great theology that all these Christians were an affront to the God of Israel. And this Jesus was a false God. Right. And then he meets Jesus, right. and his theology changes. That's right. Okay, Drastically, so. in fact. Not to be too grandiose, <laughs> not comparing myself to, to Paul or what <laughs> subsequently happens as equivalent revelation. Uh, okay, good. But good. Yeah. in February, I end up in the ER. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I get a kidney stone. Never had a kidney stone in my life. Don't know it's a kidney stone. Just wake up with searing pain and I'm chewing the carpet. And I'm like, AJ, take me to the ER. By the time we get to ER, I am writhing around on the floor, screaming, literally screaming in a fetal position. And they rush me in. And I'm literally, I remember crying out, son of David, have mercy on me, your beloved. Like, Yes, you said it over and over again, actually. I am in the most amount of pain ever. It was awful. And... They're, you know, they're like hooking me up to an IV. Important to know that generally speaking, it's not that I'm not a fan of of pain medication or drugs. I'm not trying to make myself out to be some, you know. like. But we're not typically, heavy. like we don't typically go, just give me antibiotics or just, yeah, what, we're, we're typically yeah, more I naturally minded. I don't want to yeah. put things in my body yeah. except sugar and chocolate. Right? I just generally don't want to take... <laughs> drugs if if i have to be prescribed a drug i do do my research i do look at what are the side effects Everything. i talk my god bless my gp she's so patient with me like well what about this and what about that i do like to open up in google and you know i i do i just like to know what i'm getting myself into on that particular day i did not care i did not even know what they were wiring me up with i'm just like mainly that sweet nectar of morphine get me out of this pain like i don't even care just what make you got it was stop. better than morphine, though. Yeah, what I Delauded. got, I got delauded. I like, I yeah. didn't have time to research. Like, can I read some peer-reviewed studies on you know the effectiveness of delauded and you know I'd like side to side effects. You and, know, I, yeah. I didn't have any, I didn't have any desire. It wasn't. I didn't have time. It didn't even enter my cranium. I was just like, make this bad boy stop. Right? I get out of the hospital. I end up throwing up because of you know all the side effects of that. I, I'm just so glad it you know made it stop. What that experience taught me was I, it is fine for me to have an opinion and a, a lifestyle choice, but that lifestyle choice is going to change when my lifestyle changes. 
if something critical happens. If something critical, like it, you know, I, I don't as a habit like just pop a leave or you know take some paracetamol or acetaminophen or you know ibuprofen. I, you know, I just don't unless the pain is critical. I'm not trying to make myself out as a hero. You know, I do not have a high pain threshold. I'm just generally speaking not in much pain in my life. Like I'm not in any pain, generally speaking. But when I am in, like, make it stop. And so it made me think about COVID. And it made me think about, like, COVID's interesting in that it's both highly predictable and it's both entirely unpredictable. It's predictable in the sense that we know how it uh, spreads and we know predictably how people will be infected. But unpredictably, we don't know what it's going to do. So you could right. have... Right, it's not like your common cold or your common flu where you're like, these are the flu symptoms. This is standard for everybody who gets the flu this right. year. It looks like this. You could have two people who get it. One who gets it completely asymptomatic, don't even know they have it. You could have one person like you who ends up in bed. Yes. Or you've got the nightmare scenarios where like, I have a friend right now who's got long-term neurological side effects from having COVID. I know right. somebody else who's on critical life support. We probably all know somebody who's died from it. Yes. And so you get this unpredictable um, nature of COVID. Now, here's what's interesting. What I'm so grateful for is that everyone I know who's gotten COVID personally has largely had a very light experience with it. I'd even People put, that we're super close to, yes. I'd even put your experience super sure. light. Yep. Sure, it was inconvenience. You were in bed for 14 days, had a fever for 13 days, and it sucked, but yep. you bounced back, yep. and you wouldn't want it, but it wasn't the end of the world. Right. And so most people that I know had a similar experience. Now, the good thing about that is I've still got Yay. all my friends. Yeah. yeah. The bad thing about that is it just further propagated the, see, it's not that bad, which further propagated a lot of lifestyle choices where I was like, but you're spreading it even more. You know, or you all are going to be more susceptible to getting it because of the lifestyle choices. But here's what I was thinking is if I end up getting it or my kids end up getting it, let's stick with me, right? If I end up getting it and I end up a severe case, when I go to hospital, I'm not going to care what they give me to either get me out of pain or to save my life. So right. then I started thinking, well, if I'm going to throw caution to the wind after I get it, what are all my objections to taking something that will prevent me from being there in the first place? Does that make sense? Yes. If, if I have objections before I get it, but after I get it, I won't have objections because you're you're talking about the whole thing of like these vaccines are super new. We don't actually know how they're going to work and the side effects and blah blah blah. But you're saying, hey, if I were in critical condition after getting it, and they're I like, would hey, be... we have a drug that will probably work. We've seen it work, right? But, you know, we don't know but the last side effects. You'd I'd be like, like do it. it. So, in which case, why wouldn't you do something that's supposed to be preventative on the front end that you have the same yeah, amount that, of information? That was a big shift for me. Like, okay. Right. I'm sitting here with this. I want to be with my community, but I also have got a responsibility to care for myself and for my family. Okay, I just went to hospital and had this encounter that actually overruled my normal way of thinking. Yep. If I'm not going to object on philosophical or medical grounds to being given a pain-relieving or life-saving treatment before, why am I presenting the objections before if it could prevent it from happening? Because by and large... One of the things that got me fascinated in vaccines was when we had our first child in America. When Tia was born, the very first thing the doctors wanted to do, literally within an hour of her being born, was give her a hepatitis B vaccine. Yes. And I said, there is absolutely no way you're giving my newborn daughter a hepatitis B vaccine. And they were like, well, no, it's really important. I'm like, yes, but neither her mother nor her 
is an intravenous drug user or are sexually promiscuous. So there's literally no need. There's no way she could have hepatitis B without those things. So right. And they sort of explained they're not actually allowed to screen all mothers to find out about their lifestyle. So they just routinely, routinely give, give every baby. So I was baby. like, heck no, you're right. not doing that. So my objection... I hadn't even gotten to my objections of what's in it, has it been tested, how safe is it, what's the efficacy rates, what are the side effects, what are the long... I haven't, that isn't even my objection. My objection is, why are you vaccinating my baby against something she has no chance of getting? Right. right? But I've got a very high chance of getting COVID. In fact, we laughed about it earlier, like, me and you have lived exactly the same way and you still got COVID. Yes, wearing masks everywhere, following all of the CDC guidelines. You still ended up with I COVID. I got COVID. Right? So I'm like, okay, so my, again, a lot of my, I'm realizing a lot of my discussion is coming from privilege. I'm not under threat. So I can afford to say, well, I don't want that and I don't want this because it's not prevalent. But again, it is prevalent. And actually, for me to go fulfill my desire to go be with my community, I know I'm putting myself at risk. Okay, what what can I do? So that hospital visit, that really shifted some of my thinking. Of course, you don't know any of this yet because I'm just having these conversations in my head. Yes. So, okay, what was the third shift then? Well, the third shift was, I'm beginning now to think, well, actually, because this is about February. The vaccine's been around for a bit and I'm hearing about it and I'm hearing the success rates. I'm also watching Israel, who was one of the first nations to really roll out a vaccination campaign. And I'm watching as vaccine rates go up, I'm watching infection rates, new cases, deaths go down. And I'm beginning to think, could the vaccine offer me the relief I'm looking for from phase one of my thinking? How can yes. I be with my... da, da, da. Especially in light of my newfound thinking from phase two. But I'm presented with two big obstacles. My two big obstacles are, philosophically, I'm opposed to vaccines. Like, how can I square up that with, like, the way I've thought? And then also, I don't know, I've got questions about the health ramifications of taking this vaccine. Yes. Ironically, for a Conan player, the philosophical questions were easy to answer. Because the philosophical question was, well, actually, part of growing is changing your mind. Part of being a lifelong learner is learning new things and being able to adapt and changing your mind. So that was actually really easy. I thought that would be the biggest hurdle for me to get over. But the health questions, I just, I realized I was largely not uneducated, but unaware. I, what I mean by that is I realized I had lots of questions which were easily answered when I actually sat down and identified what my questions were. I realized I had lots of feelings about taking a vaccine. And if I again sat with my feelings I realized, oh, behind my feelings are what if? What about this? What about that? Like, what, what's the health ramifications of taking it? What is, how effective it is? How do we know how effective it is? I don't want to take a vaccine that's been rushed through production. Oh my gosh, there's tons of them. Which one do I take? I don't want to put a live virus in my body. I don't even want to put a dead virus. You know? So I write out all these questions and I just start praying like, Holy Spirit, would you help me? And I want to go do research. Now, here's the thing. For whatever reason, I should probably applaud my parents like, ironically, my father was a world-leading virologist. Yes. Right? So I was raised in an environment that had a reflex to nonsense. Right? Now, good and bad. That, that has good and bad things. And what I mean by that is my father was an empirical man. Right? So he did for a living. He looked at data and he drew conclusions and he would test and he would evaluate. And by osmosis, that leaked into us. If you talk to my sisters, if you talk to my siblings, we're all like that. We're all very, very 
large on critical thinking. We're very, very suspicious. We want to see the data. We want to draw Analytical. our own conclusions. Yeah. And, you know, it has served me well in various parts of my career. It's also held me up. You know, there's pros and cons to thinking like that. But one of the things I'm good at is digesting huge amounts of data. Like, I am not afraid to read abstracts and papers and, you know, and, and follow bibliographies and find out, you know, what was a bit, you know. So I, I just start on a quest, which I've been doing for a year. I start on a quest. And I realize, okay, well, actually, my first fear of I don't want to be given a virus is there. I end up getting the Pfizer one, uh, which is an mRNA. So there's no actual virus in there. There's just a series of instructions that tell your body how to react to certain protein spikes. So I was like, okay, so I'm not getting a virus. Which is, you know, in in, uh, the history of vaccines is a new type of It's traditional vaccines. Uh, you know, previous to the COVID vaccines, do have viruses, live viruses, or dead, or dead virus, viruses, yep. or whatever. I mean, that is, uh, and that's part part of what my previous concerns uh, concerns have been with yeah. them. Yeah. So I realized, okay, so that's not in there. Okay. Well, that's good because again, a lot of the objections I was hearing as I'm I'm talking about is, well, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, and I discovered, okay, the virus is not in there. All right. And I don't want to bore you with all my findings because again, I'm not trying to sell you on anything. I'm trying to tell you this is my process. I just wrote down what are my concerns and when and where I could find answers. Another one of my concerns is exactly what you said. This feels new, and I realize, oh, it's not new. It's got ten years of 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 of, of research, ten years of backed approach for mRNA. I don't know the long term side effects. You're right, I don't. So, like, what am I going to do with that one? Well, I also don't know the long term side effects of COVID. And and here's where I just let me let me say this as kindly as I can. Most of the time that I've talked to a lot of people. People are making decisions based on what I call anecdata, right? They think it's data, but it's anecdotal, anecdotal stories that they're that they're extrapolating, and we yes. all do that. I do that as well, right? We all do that, but we got to resist that. And now, here's the thing: by the time I was thinking about taking my vaccine, I forget how many million people had already been given doses in in the United States. So I remember when I spoke to you about taking a vaccine, you're like, oh, please don't do that. So-and-so's friend took, you know, the vaccine. She's still in bed with it. That doesn't move me because I'm like, that's one data point. Let's go, like, if that's a consistent reaction or a danger, that will show up in the millions of people that have been vaccinated. Let, let me see if that's there. So, you know, I'm, I want to distinguish between anecdotal stories and data points and then you know, is there a correlation? Can I pull that out? So I did that. And I largely realized, no, I don't know the long-term side effects of that. I also don't know the long-term side effects of COVID. And and so in many ways, that's where I turned to prayer. I was like, Lord, I've got all this data. I've got all these feelings. I want to sit before you. This is what I think I want to do, but I, you know, don't want to lean on my own understanding. In all my, all my ways, I want to acknowledge you. Like, Father, what do you want to say? And I just journaled with the Lord and had a dialogue. Now, I didn't hear the Lord say, yay, my son, verily, go do this. But I just talked, and he was so kind and gracious as I explored all my feelings with him. And in the end, I was like, Lord, I'm as I sit with my feelings, as I sit with my needs, I think I want to do this, but I want to run this past you. What do you, what do you feel? And the Lord said to me, he's like, son, if that's what you want to do, I'm completely fine with that. You've, you've got grace to do that. So I was like, great. And so the next big thing was like, okay, well, I've done my legwork. I've sat with my feelings. I've processed stuff. I've done my research. I now need to come to my wife, who hitherto doesn't even know I've been thinking this thing. 
and I sit down with you and go, hey, okay, babe, I've got something I want to tell you. Um, I've got a lot of fear about how you might react when you're like, okay. And I said, I think I want to get vaccinated. And now over to you, because this has been a monologue well, so I far. Think, I think you're right. You hadn't shared about it, but I wasn't surprised that you wanted to get vaccinated. Really? Did the Lord told you? Uh, just, I was expecting it. Like, I don't remember the Lord saying he will want to get vaccinated, but I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. And and to, to be clear, I still have all the same concerns. We, we don't, it is, I I hear you saying, well, they have 10 years of whatever, but in practice of using the COVID vaccine, we don't, we, you know, uh, we don't know what the side effects are going to be. And I I love on one level that it is a different kind of vaccine. We're not talking about live viruses. We're not talking about all the previous things that would bother me, how they've been grown, and and so on. Yeah. We won't. We don't need to go into all of that. But but what did you feel when I sat down with you and said, "Hey, this is what I want to do." Oh, I still didn't want you to do it. And but what did you feel? Afraid. You so you felt fear was present. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm like, I love you, and I. I I'm I'm not even considering getting the vaccine. Yeah. Um I don't want our kids to get a vaccine. And I'm like what if you get it and you are one of the fringe cases? Mm-hmm. You know, you are one of the antidotal people yeah. that becomes the story, yep. you know. So I mean it hit a huge amount of fear and yeah. honestly um, my response to you at the time was I would rather you got covid. Then get this vaccine. Yeah. Um, so we sat with that though, didn't yeah. we? Like we we sat like okay, let's let's talk about that because that's that's a big reaction. Like I would rather you have COVID than, and that was probably out of the anecdotal experience that you had COVID and you were fine, and now you have some and inbuilt the immunity. Vast majority of our community. Yeah. And, but also the weird thing for us in the midst of all of this is, we almost never disagree. Never. Well. On little yeah. things, sure, but like on, bathing, bathing habits, right. yeah. But, but on, no, but by and large, on big lifestyle things. There's maybe been a handful in our whole life, right? And easily navigated, you know, like it's 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 so rare for us. Mm-hmm. So for me, also, I realized I have fear behind you're over there, and I'm over here, and I'm like, what does oh that God. mean? Yeah. yeah. So, but do you know what that fear was? What was the fear telling you might happen or or is going to happen? Or I think I just don't like not being in agreement with you. Mm-hmm. It's so... Um, see, this is why I didn't really work <laughs> on my makeup. Um, yeah. It's so foreign to me for us not to just be flying on the same page with ease mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, I don't like the feeling of this at all. Mm-hmm. So I think it was more that. Right. So, But you didn't go to catastrophizing or fortune telling or, you know, when you sit with your fear and you think, well, because of that, that means this. Oh, God, we're going to end up divorced. I knew. Oh, no, no. No, no. Okay. no, no. And and also realizing I feel afraid. And like what I was talking about last, you know, last podcast, I don't want like fear to be the thing that ever leads my decisions. Yeah. So, and you had said, babe, could you go away and pray about it? Because typically... When we make decisions together, if we're not in agreement, we don't move forward until we have agreement. Right. I mean, that is how we do life. Yeah. So you could have vetoed that and I wouldn't have moved forward. 
You could have come and back I knew that. and said, babe, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. And I would have dropped it. Because here's why I'm an idiot if I don't. Because God's given me you, yeah, who are my, my biggest supporter, who hears the voice of the Lord, and I trust deeply. And so here I am with a conviction, this is what I want to do. But actually, I'm not going to overrule you with my conviction. Yeah. Uh, because of the way we lead, which also gets into the whole thing of headship, which maybe we'll talk on another podcast, but like we are co-leaders of our family and you have a piece of God that I don't have and I have a piece of God that you don't have. And historically, it's it's killed both of us because there's things I've wanted to move forward and I know it's the Lord and the Lord's spoken to me about it and you're the holdup or vice versa, which is more commonly like you've heard from the Lord and I just I haven't heard from the Lord on it yet. Yeah. And, and I'm I, waiting again. And you're waiting again. <laughs> yeah. and it can be so frustrating, but actually... In that waiting, God's doing something in both of us. In anything like that, you don't. It's not hard to honor somebody who always agrees with you. Oh no! It's so much harder to honor another person's perspective who doesn't agree with you and still hold them at the same level of value. Mm-hmm. Or say that you're going to honor them, but then punish them for it. Right. So, like, fine, I won't get the vaccine, but you know what I'll do? I'll make a joke or I'll make like a passive aggressive comment every time someone comes up and says, "Oh, see, they got they got vaccinated. Right. I guess they have a supportive parent, right? Uh, right, a supportive right. Spouse. or whatever." Yeah. yeah, like you know, and that's just not something we're going to do. We're not going to punish the other person because they're not in the same place as us, right? So you have fear. So I have fear, and you we just talk said, a little bit about your fear. Hey, can you go away and pray about this? Mm-hmm. And so I went away and prayed about it, and I still had all the same cautious feelings so like where you would be your cautious feelings would be more about why are people living like this in the middle of a pandemic my my cautious feelings would lean more towards oh dear god this vaccine and what is this going to look like and you know so i'm like okay yeah i can go away and pray about it but when i prayed about it i felt like the lord said he will be fine um and it's actually going to give his heart freedom to be able to start living again. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So, but what was that like? Because what's interesting is the Lord's, he's not telling you something you don't want to hear. You want to hear anything the Lord's saying, but you you go into the Lord and it's like, he's not going to be fine. And then the Lord's like, he's going to be fine. Yeah. And basically the Lord's saying, yeah. But I'm back to my choice of, do I live in fear or do I take everything to God and say, I feel fear. What Can you, you talk to me about this? Yeah. So again, I, I don't want to get the vaccine. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm never going to get it. I'm saying at this point where I am, that's that's not my desire. If at some point the Lord talks to me about it or whatever, that's a different conversation. But it's also important to note, though, that you every two months go and get your antibodies checked and you're still sky high on I'm, natural yes, immunity. Yes. And I'm six months out. I still have enormous amounts of immunity. I still have both the short and the long term and all that kind of stuff. So, so you have natural immunity. Yes. This, uh, and I have this kind of artificial immunity. Right. I think what I loved most was I wasn't armed to the teeth with data to convince you. Like if you came back and said, hey, I, d- I don't want you to do it. I'd be like, okay. But what your heart needs is as important as coming to me with data. If Yes, but what I mean is like, you know, if... if if you come back and said, I don't want to do it, that's not code for Alan, try harder to convince me. It's like, right. okay, okay, probably what I would do is what you've done in those situations to go back and say, Lord, I don't, you know, I don't understand. Like you've given me a wife who's really smart and who loves you. And actually I hear the voice of the Lord, you know, the multitude of counselors, there's safety, there's wisdom. 
So, Lord, I think I'm hearing from you, but it doesn't mean I'm right. If this is you, would you speak through my wife? You know, so you've had to do that where, you know, you brought stuff to me and I'm like, no, we're not doing that. And then you're like, Lord, I don't want to move faster than Alan. And maybe I'm not right. But if this is you, can you speak to him? And then I'd have a dream and be like, I had a dream. Okay, we'll go do it. Right. I think we've both placed a high value on not controlling one another. Right. And honoring each other when we don't have the same opinion. Yep. Yeah, I can think about quite a few things where we're not disagreement. We have different opinions about things, but we recognize the other person's ability to walk it out. Yeah. Like bathing habits. <laughs> Sorry. Like bathing habits. Like bathing habits. Okay, so you go away. You talk to the Lord. Yeah. You've got some peace. Yeah. Then then, then what happens? So then I just came in and said to you, I'm, I have peace, because we're always looking for peace to guide us. Yeah. I have peace for you to go ahead and get the vaccine, which I think you did that day, sign up to get the vaccine. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I did. And yeah, I went and got the vaccine. Which was so weird because I've not had a vaccine. The last time I remember getting a vaccine was when I was 12 years old and got my BCG. I don't even know what that is, nope. but it sounds kind I of like a wrap. A wrap. Oh, the we. What do we call those? The the one that leaves the circle. Yeah. What's it for? Uh, I don't remember. I don't have one of those marks. Oh. Yeah. Well, I so you know as an adult, it was so streamlined. Like I drove up to Vanderbilt, which is a hospital in Nashville. I had an appointment, and uh, I, I literally part the, the longest pro- part of the process was finding a parking spot. Mm-hmm. W- walked in, they were all super organized. This thing was like military precision. Just walked in, um, gave them my name, which they all knew I was coming, and I sat down, and they said, which side do you sleep on? And I said, I sleep on my left. So they jabbed me in the right, and they said, okay, great. And I was like psyching myself up for it because I'm not a huge fan of needles either. And I thought they were going to give me like a local anesthetic shot and then jab me. I don't know why, but they, they wiped my arm with an alcohol swab. I looked away, and then when I looked back, they were like, okay, you can go and sit down, and you had to just go somewhere and sit for 15 minutes. But because I'm kind of a hypochondriac for the next now, 15 minutes. Kind of a hypochondriac? Hush now. Oh, because right. I'm kind of a hypochondriac, I was yeah. like, I don't know, do I have a fever? Do I have a temperature? Oh, my gosh, is my arm sore? I don't know. You know, I just was a hyper alert. And then, but largely, first dose felt absolutely nothing. Had... I had a bit of a stiff arm. I wouldn't even say it was a sore arm. I would say that if I had not had a jab that day, I would have thought that my arm, maybe I lay on it funny. Like, you know, so it was a bit stiff when I did certain things. Uh, Then you have to wait for three weeks. Uh, Then go back and get your second. Same experience. Just park, drive in. They know who I am. Jab me, go sit for 15 minutes and came home. And that was a sore arm. But like somebody Charlie horsed me, like give me a dead arm, you know, punched me in the arm. Yeah. That was like that. That was probably all I noticed. I did have a weird flush of symptoms for four hours. Do you remember? On the yep. I got jabbed on the Saturday by Sunday night for four hours. Uh, you were just about, super tired. About six to ten. Yeah. Because I eventually went to bed at ten. Well, my ears got really hot. I got flushed. They were my red. ears were yeah. bright red. Then I got chills. I felt like I had a fever. I didn't because you better believe I had a thermometer ready for every symptom. <laughs> And it kind of felt maybe a little bit queasy, but again, if I hadn't had a jab, I don't even know if I'd... I It was that kind of feeling of like, am I queasy or am I hungry? I don't really know. Right. Four hours the next day, I, I felt great. So by and large, I got off light. My my sister had a little bit more of an intense experience than, than I did. Yeah. And then waited two weeks after that one. And here was the silver lining that felt great. I've got... um I have not hugged anybody outside of my family in over a year. 
And I've got a dear friend who I, you know, love being with. And uh, I went to be with him. He, he was also vaccinated. And uh, for the first time in a year, I, we just got to give each other a big bear hug. And I was like, oh, that that was just... That's a win. That was a win and yeah. and beautiful. But we, we, haven't, we haven't processed this with the kids because, again... You know, we've talked a lot. We've we've spent a long time talking to our kids about why, as a family, we're choosing to live the way we are. Um, like, you know, and that goes to everything, like like the jobs we picked, what we do with our money. We bring our kids in at a very loose level about how we spend our money. Yeah. But we've talked about our approach to vaccines, talked about our approach to COVID. So we haven't really talked to them about being vaccinated. Uh, so that'll be an interesting discussion. We'll just give them a copy of the podcast and say, listen to this. You'll be fine. <laughs> Mommy and daddy don't agree, children. <laughs> but, but we could still love each other. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so important that we talk about, like, it's not my goal to get you vaccinated. It's not my goal to say, huh, 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 Yeah. It is, you know, my goal to live as wisely as I can, your goal to live as wisely as we can. And, and live not controlling Spirit. one another. Yeah. 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 Anything else you want to say about that journey? If you're still with us, well done on staying with us. This has been this. long. This has been long for sure. Well, here's the thing. I, again, going back to my original reason why I want to share it, is there's going to be people who listen who maybe are on the same end of the spectrum as me, but maybe have concerns about getting a vaccine. And hearing a leader say, I went and did this, helps people. But equally, you've got sure. people in the audience listening who are at your end of the spectrum, sure. who are appalled by what I'm saying and, and are like, okay, I'm learning from AJ that actually it's okay to have loved ones who want to make a choice that's yeah. different than me. Yeah. And to be clear, like, I'm not afraid that you got vaccinated. Right. And I'm not afraid for anything to happen to me because you got vaccinated right. or, or anything like that. Uh, I'm choosing not to be vaccinated, but granted, I have immunity yeah. from having had COVID. Um, I just didn't want, I was genuinely excited and wanted to post something on Instagram, but I felt me, this is no comment on anybody else who's posted on Instagram. I felt like me posting something on Instagram, you know, is like tossing a grenade and going, well, I didn't know it was going to explode. You know, right, right, it, right, right. Is, is inflammatory. I didn't want to write about it. And I just thought, you know, people who want to listen are going to listen and uh, hopefully it's going to be helpful and, you know. Uh, to be honest, I'm surprised you listen to any of the stuff we say. So I mean, yeah, it's, it is shocking, actually. And I mean, uh, I'm in a house coat today, so I don't even know how you take anything seriously. But no. Well, let's pivot away from that. Okay. Hey, uh, by the way, if you have any questions about that, I mean questions born from genuine curiosity. Let me just put that there. Like, if you've got questions where you want to try and prove a point, I don't want to hear a question. I, I mean that lovingly, right? And we're not medical experts. We're so not medical. But if you want to ask, us, ask us about our yeah. journey or our story, you can do so. Just go to alanag.com slash ask. We'd be happy to talk about it if we can. Was that okay what I said about don't ask me a question if you're not genuinely curious? Yeah, I think that that's fine because I think sometimes, especially in the last year, it feels like so many questions are actually just argumentative Points. stabbing because yeah. we don't actually want to be challenged. I've got higher regard for our listeners than yes, that. Yes, that's true. But just in case you have a bad day and you fall into passive aggression, I'll make a point by asking we'll a smartly worded question. Yes. Please don't. Um, but speaking of questions, I have a listener's question for you. Oh, it's for me. Uh, well, I'm going to read it and then you can... Um, I can decide if I want to like do it or do like the pass button and it goes over to you. such a great question. Okay. All right. I'm ready. This is from Megan. Hi, Megan. Okay. She says... Can I start by saying I'm so happy you guys are back. Us too. Thank you. Thank you, man. I thought my podcast app was playing a trick on me. It's not. We're back. We're for real. 
She goes on and says this, I met the Holy Spirit in 1994 when I was nine years old and John Arnott came to Los Angeles and spoke and it changed everything. Uh. We love John. When I got into my late 20s and realized that not everyone had encountered the Holy Spirit the way I had and that revivals are unique seasons that the Lord brings, I have been praying to experience another revival. I have read books and interviews about the Toronto Blessing. I have listened multiple times to any podcast or sermon where you've both talked at length about your experience in Toronto. I have been to Gray Center for a more conference. I've been to Catch the Fire Toronto, IHOP twice, Catch a Fire Reykjavik. I've spent years wow. at PyHop in LA, all because I'm desperate for God and his movements. I am desperate for God to capture my generation the way he did my parents in the 70s. I want my generation to be known as a generation that seeks the Lord. Now, the other week, I was reading a Rick Joyner book about Azusa Street and the Welsh Revivals, and the Lord asked me, do you want revival or do you want me? And that has been gnawing me for two weeks. I want the Lord, but everything I can think of that is a result or manifestation of the presence of the Lord now feels like a gift and not the giver. So, after my long-winded explanation, what does it look like to seek the Lord for the Lord and not a gift? Or maybe the Lord is inviting me to dig deep into my heart's desire for him. Since you are my resident experts on the subject, I thought I would ask you, since the Lord is being silent, other than continuing to ask the same question back to me. So what does it look like to seek the Lord for himself and not for the gift? Yes. I think it looks like, I mean, Megan, you seem like a super passionate person uh, who is living in pursuit of God. Yeah. I think it looks like that and not tying an expectation to what the gift looks like. What, what The gift of him showing up. Right. So I, I think the mistake we can make in the place that we can miss God is we are saying, Lord, I want you, I want you, I want you. And he shows up and it looks different than what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And so we go, well, that wasn't him because it's got to look like this thing that I want. That's when we know we're looking for more the gift than the person who mm-hmm. brings the gift, right? Yeah. So I think as long as you are pushing into the Lord and saying, Lord, I want you, I want all of you, and I want whatever that looks like. And anytime you identify that you have an expectation attached to, this is what God does, does and this is how God does it, just really quickly unhooking from that so that you're still free to receive him as he comes. Because... In my experience, he never comes the same way. Like right. it, it always does look different. And it does, if you look throughout revival history, each time that he comes, there's different emphasis. There's different things that the Holy Spirit is doing. And it there are some similarities, but there's also huge differences. Mm-hmm. So I think the way that we safeguard our hearts is we keep our hearts focused on Jesus, focused on the one, focused on Jesus, what do you want to do? Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Father, speak to my heart and then receive however he does that mm-hmm. uh, and whatever it looks like, even if we're uncomfortable. I think one of the most arresting sermons I've ever heard, we were in Japan. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. You were pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was me and AJ and John and Carol. I was very pregnant. And Roland Baker. We're doing yeah. a conference together in Japan. And Roland spoke a message and it was called uh, Why Revival Won't Love You. And, uh, you know, if anybody's an expert on revival, it would be Roland Baker. And he was talking about, like, so many Christians are praying for revival, but you don't want revival, you want Jesus. Because revival can't love you. Revival can't forgive your sins. Revival can't heal you. And it was so, uh, you know, it wasn't a negative, uh, it wasn't a negative message. It was a call back to exactly what you're asking about, Megan. And I thought about, 
Because I'm with you. Like, everything you want, Megan, I want. Like, you're just, you're reading. Like, that's everything I want. Yep. And having said that, you've been through revival. Mm -hmm. And revival is not a panacea. Revival will not fix everything. There's people who were in the revival with you who are now no longer walking with the Lord. Yes. Even though they were in the middle of a legit revival. So everything you saw. Yep. And that shouldn't surprise us because... The people of Israel in the Old Testament had the literal manifestation of God with them day and night. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, yeah. saw incredible miracles, and they still completely missed his heart. Jesus, people missed the day of visitation with Jesus. His own disciples who were with him abandoned him. Yeah. You know, so like moves of God are great, but like we have the capacity to miss God when we focus on the outside things instead of the person. Absolutely. You know, the revelation of Jesus Christ as revealed through the word of God will do more to sustain you than revival ever will. Yeah. And so keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, keeping your eyes hungering for what is promised in the word, which of course can be manifested as as revival is where it's at. Here's a simple point, like I have pursued the Lord since my early 20s, since he gave me this incredible experience with the Holy Spirit, where he put the Holy Spirit in me in a powerful way, you know, it takes God to pursue God. I've been hungering after God, and I am living today with fruit I never knew to ask for because I never knew I wanted. Like, as I've abandoned everything else and just pursued the Lord, he's led me into areas of my life I'd never want to go, which has produced fruit I never knew I could have. Didn't know I'd want, didn't know was available. And so the danger in asking God for what you want is you might miss out on what he wants. And you always want what he wants. I'm, I'm not trying to talk us out of, you know, because it says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and give the desires of your heart. I, I'm just saying revival is great. And I'm hungering for it, and I want it more than anything. And any time I think about anything else that's even a passion of mine, it pales into the insignificance of what I'm, uh, of what I want to see, which I believe God wants to give, and what we're gonna see. And yet, I know that's not gonna satisfy. I'm living drunk with satisfaction today, because of the person. Of because Jesus. of the person of Jesus. And so yeah. I think if you just, I think it's great, Megan, that the fact the Lord is still speaking to you about this. The Lord never asks you something because he doesn't know the answer. He's always inviting you to find a new revelation to, yeah. to the question he's asking you. So yeah. I don't know if that helps. I just love your passion. Oh, my gosh, I love your passion. Run after it. And yet you can live in personal revival with the person of Jesus. So good. I might have a small confession to make. I've learned from experience that usually your small <laughs> confessions lead to larger ones. So go for it. Well, I realized... At one point when you were talking, and a little bit earlier in the podcast, I don't even know what you're talking about at that point, but I I kind of phase out a little bit because I just keep thinking, you're just so handsome, and then I get sort of, I just like fascinated by your sparkly eyes uh -huh. and your passion, and then I realize I'm not actually paying attention anymore. So I hope I didn't miss anything important. Oh, but you set up brilliantly. But if you too would like to see the sparkly passion in my <laughs> eyes, as a member of the podcast... You get to watch the podcast and not just listen to it. And you, too, could be transfixed by the beauty. Of <laughs> yes, and and by my... And see the house coat. Fluffy hair and house coat. But, but seriously, I was speaking to Chris earlier today. I was talking to Chris, and I was saying, you know, I, I, you know again, we're just thrilled anybody would listen to the podcast. So we sure. love that you listen to the podcast. Yes, we love it. And yet I have a passion for those of you who listen to the podcast to see the podcast. 
I watch the pod- Listen, I understand podcasts are great because you can do the dishes, do gardening. Yes. Go for a run. So many people e- email me and say, hey, I listen to you when I run. I'm like, great. You're ex- I'm getting exercise by proxy. So I get it. Do you think we get points on our... Absolutely. If we could arrange to get those on our watch, that would be great. So I understand that podcasts fit into a niche of our life that, and nobody's got time to sit down and watch a video. You know, And if you do, there's plenty more entertaining things to watch than this. And having said all that, I watch the the video every week because, you know, I review it before it goes live. And I find tremendous joy in watching your face. In You know, there's a, there's a whole dynamic you're missing out on. So membership gets you video access. If, in fact, if you would like to see what you're missing, if you go to youtube.com slash Alan and AJ, every week we post, you know, like a four or five minute segment of the video that we think is a good standalone piece. You get to see a little bit of the magic, get to see AJ in her house coat, you get to see my dazzling, sparkling <gasps> I didn't eyes. think about that. But if you want to become a member, uh, just go to alanandaj.com slash join. And if they want the show notes, baby, where do they go? To alanandaj.com slash 238. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. We're so excited. We hope to see you next week. All right. Bye bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee. They are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Sharing their life experiences. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God. And everything under the sun. If you are a human being There's something here for everyone